Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair, and it's good to be with you again on Vitality Radio. I am so excited for today's show. I know I say that a lot, and it's because it's true. But today, I have extra reason to be excited. I can't wait to share it with you. For those of you who love the Vitality Radio rant, you're going to get two of them today. So, a little bonus for you. If you're not familiar with Vitality Radio, let me tell you a little bit about it. Vitality Radio is in its 12th year now. We just passed 11 years a couple of months ago. It's almost impossible for me to believe that that is the case, but it is indeed the case. And it is a show about health, nutrition, health freedom, which is a big, big deal. A lot of stuff under attack right now. Did you see that thing on Facebook where there's a uh, legislator in Alabama, I believe it was, that wants all men over 50 to be uh, to be mandated a vasectomy? Yeah. All men over 50, a vasectomy. That's actual legislation she's trying to pass. Now, talk about lack of health freedom and control over our bodies. Of course, mandatory vaccines are all the rage right now across uh, the country. There are people trying to legislate that. I'm all about freedom in all of its forms. I believe that human beings ought to be taught to critically think and then act accordingly. Some in government, I would say many in government, would just as soon do our thinking for us, and that's not okay with me. So I talk a lot about freedom. I talk a lot about truth. I talk a lot about things you don't hear in mass media or corporate media, as I like to call it, because that's really what it is. But that's what Vitality Radio is. I try to help you steer clear of the smoke screens of propaganda when it comes to health and nutrition. The, uh, you know, the health claims that are made, uh, like uh, when 7-Up decided that their pomegranate flavor was an antioxidant, (laughs) for instance. Yeah, so that kind of stuff. That's what I do on Vitality Radio. Today, I am so excited for a variety of reasons. I just got back from Paris, France. Now, what is there in Paris, France? There's a lot of good things. They got uh, macarons. They've got uh, croissants. Did I say that right? Croissants. Uh, they've got uh, citron tartlets. Uh, they have bread. Oh, my goodness, do they have bread. Such delicious bread. They got a lot of good things in Paris, France. Not just food, some pretty cool stuff. I have to say, I was blown away by the Eiffel Tower. I thought I it wasn't going to be that much. But it was awesome. If you get a chance, go to Paris. It's very cool. But why do I bring up Paris? Well, for one thing, if I sound really tired, I'm experiencing some serious jet lag right now. I took my little ones, my 7-year-old and my 10-year-old with me, and uh, that was awesome. But at the same time, very fatiguing because their sleep schedule on the way home did not – yeah – It wasn't that great, and I am one tired hombre, but it doesn't matter. I'm here. I'm doing a show, and I hope you're going to enjoy it, and I need to tell you something that happened in Paris because I thought it was interesting. Now, I've got some really strange ways of looking at things. One thing that I say a lot that not everybody gets too excited about is that germs are our friends. We are so scared of so many things. When it comes to our health, we're scared to death right now of coronavirus. And I won't say we shouldn't be a little concerned. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, 
But fear is just a bad way to live your life. Being scared doesn't, it's counterproductive. Being prepared, yes. Being aware, absolutely. Being fearful, uh, maybe not so much. I mean, I drove in Paris for a week and they don't have lines in the road more often than not. It was wild. You get these, uh, if you've never been there, these roundabouts, you know, they have something called the Arc de Triomphe. It's the second biggest site outside of the Eiffel Tower uh, in Paris and tons of tourists there, tons of taxis, tons of people driving. It's easily five lanes around this thing that um, are, uh, it's a roundabout that goes around it with no lines, a five lane roundabout with no lanes, crazy stuff. I drove it. I didn't die. I wasn't scared. You just got to do it sometimes. Well, the same thing can be said about germs. Germs are our friends. We don't want to disinfect our whole world because that's how we build superbugs like MRSA and C. diff and all these other nasty little things that can kill you. Whereas little germs that we spread around for the most part are actually good for us, right? So like when somebody sneezes, a lot of the stuff that they sneeze on you are actually good bugs. It's their good bacteria that can actually help yours. I know that sounds gross. I get it, but it is what it is. We're all living here together. We're all touching the same handles. We're all grabbing the same shopping cart. And every time I see somebody wipe down their shopping cart with these disaffecting wipes, I'm like, ah, come on, come on, brave it up. You don't have to do that. Now, sometimes once, yeah, once I actually did that. I wiped it down with one of those wipes because it was sticky and that's kind of gross. And so I wiped it down with the wipe, but then I was like, oh, now I got all these stupid chemicals from this wipe on my hand. That's probably worse. Most of the time, I think it is. It's okay to get germs. So I'm in Paris. I just had enjoyed a delicious uh, crepe for dinner. And uh, it was fantastic. Next door was a little, uh, you know, kind of a 7-Eleven kind of a place, a little tiny one. This guy in there was awesome. He was this uh, Pakistani guy. And uh, he was uh, definitely not from France. He spoke pretty good English. He spoke really good French. And I have to assume his native tongue very well also. Well, I walk in this door. I bring my little kids in there with me. And we're looking for bottled water, I think. And uh, we're walking through, looking at his stuff. And there's this big row of gummies. And I've professed my love for gummies on the air before. I know it flies against the stuff I talk about. We want to try and avoid sugar and all this stuff. I love gummies. It is what it is. Yeah, one of my vices. Anyway, they had some cool gummies there, stuff I hadn't seen before. One of the cool things about Europe is that most of the gummies are not artificially colored. So that's cool. But regardless, this huge, I don't know, I'm going to say maybe six or seven across, probably 12 down the little compartments, like little bulk bins of gummies. And he said, yeah, try one. And, uh, you know, he's sampling to it to my kids. He really took a shine to my kids, thought they were really cute, wanted to give them some gummies. And so we're looking for like a scoop or a little, uh, you know, tong, salad tong kind of thing, you know, that you reach in and grab your gummies with. We've got them in all the grocery stores here. They weren't there. There wasn't a little plastic glove. There was nothing. And he says, ah, just reach in there and grab them. And I'm looking at him like uh, I, he speaks really good English. So I know I heard him right. And then he comes around and starts grabbing the gummies and handing them to us with his bare hands. And I have to admit, me, Mr. Germs are our friends. I was like, whoa, taking it back a little bit like, oh, that's kind of, I don't know. It's kind of gross or weird. I don't know. It's different. But that's what they do over there, at least in his store. And it was kind of cool. I liked it because he wasn't scared of germs. I wasn't scared of germs. You might think I'm a freak right now, but it's kind of cool because in America, we just like everything sterile. And that's not necessarily good. And why do I tell you this story? Because it rolls right in to the first of my two rants. (music) 
In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. Okay, rant number one is this. This is an article that's kind of old, 2011 old. That's like nine years ago. That's crazy. Uh, So yeah, this uh, article came out not too long after I started Vitality Radio and I missed it. I got lucky. Somebody posted this on Facebook. You know how sometimes people post stuff on Facebook that's not that current? Uh, Well, this wasn't that current, but it was good and I needed to bring it to you because I think it's important. The title by uh, Carolyn Butler is Pediatricians Say It's Often Better to Let a Child's Fever Run Its Course. (gasps) What? A pediatrician is saying that? Because I've seen the commercials where pediatricians trust the brand Tylenol for fever reduction. But maybe these pediatricians are kind of woke to this thing and they recognize that a fever is a natural mechanism that our amazing human bodies were built with to fight infection. Now, it's important to understand something about me. I just mentioned my seven-year-old and my 10-year-old. My 10-year-old, sweet little Nora Rose. She impacted my life when she was born like nobody ever has. I can't explain it to you. If you're a parent, you kind of get it. Some kids just have this power in them. And Nora's one of those kids. Absolutely amazing child. Well, when she was three years old, I don't think I've shared this on the radio and maybe I did. I don't remember, but she's 10 now. So seven years ago at Christmas time. I know it was Christmas time because the Christmas tree played a real big role in this story. She was a little sick. She had a cold and a little fever. Her fever was literally just a hair over 100 degrees, like 100.3, 100.4, something like that. Very low, just her body's way of fighting things off. She was home laying on the couch uh, watching TV with a wet rag on her head and uh, you know, a glass of water. And she was in the front room laying on the couch. And between the front room, the front room and kitchen were all open. And so generally speaking, if you're in the kitchen, you can see the entire front room. Well, her mother is in the kitchen. I'm at work. And uh, her mother's in the kitchen doing dishes or making a meal or something. I don't know exactly what she was doing. But the Christmas tree was up kind of off to the side, and it was blocking Nora's body from sight from her mom. And so no big deal. She wasn't super sick or anything. But uh, her mom hears some wrestling, uh, kind of uh, you know, wrestling noises and wasn't sure what's going on. And she said, you know, Nora, are you okay? She didn't hear anything. And then there was silence. And so she walks over there, kind of concerned, wondering what's going on. And she sees this little girl laying there still with her lips starting to actually, all the color draining out of her face. And she's not breathing, unconscious. And she picks her up, kind of panics and runs next door to her, the her best friend that was next door living next to us and says call 911 call 911 call 911 well the in the commotion of carrying her over there uh Nora was kind of shaken awake i guess uh back into consciousness and started breathing we don't exactly know how long she was out of uh out of it and had stopped breathing. At the time, she didn't know what was going on. I get a call from this neighbor uh, saying, uh, you know, Nora's had um, a seizure or something. We're not quite sure what happened. She was unconscious. Um, she's, they're, they're putting her in the ambulance right now and heading to the hospital. Well, I'm beside myself. I don't know what's going on. I'm in Bountiful, hospitals in Layton. That's usually about a 20-minute drive. It took me about 12. And I got there and I actually beat the ambulance. And I'm sitting there just waiting, freaking out. Well, 
At one point, they bring her into the emergency room. They checked her vital signs and everything's okay. But she was out of it. I mean, she was awake, but she wasn't there. And I'm sitting there on her bed and holding her in my lap. And I'm looking into her eyes and trying to get her to communicate with me. And she's just looking right through me. Now, you have to understand Nora. Nora is the most vibrant child I've ever met in my life. And I'm not talking like super hyperactive. She's a little hyperactive, but vibrant, just absolutely full of life. And she was gone, listless. It was the scariest moment of my entire life. Because the thing that you wonder is, you know, how long did her brain lose oxygen? Now, from what we could tell, it shouldn't have been very long, maybe less than a minute, probably less than a minute, but the color had started draining out of her face. We just didn't know. Turns out she'd had what's called a febrile seizure. A febrile seizure, if you don't know, is brought on by a fever, and it doesn't have to be a high fever. It can be a low-grade fever that suddenly spikes a little bit and creates a seizure, and boom, that's what happened to little Nora. Now, I'm happy to report that near as we can tell, no long-term effects whatsoever. But that moment in my life was the scariest moment of my life as a father. The idea of potentially losing uh, my daughter or having her damaged, her brain damaged because of a fever spike that created a seizure was terrifying. And the reason I share this with you is this. I give advice all the time to other parents like myself on what we ought to do and what we ought not to do for our children. And I try very, very hard to follow that same advice for me as a parent, particularly a young parent. If you're someone who has little ones at home, you, maybe you're on your first or your second child or whatever it is, you want obviously what's best for them. You want to take care of their health the very best way you can. And it's very difficult sometimes, well, every time to watch your child struggle and suffer. And let's face it, a fever isn't comfortable for anybody. Nobody wants to have a fever and nobody feels well when they have one. But we have these amazing bodies we've been blessed with, absolutely beautiful, what they're capable of. And the biggest thing that I, one of the biggest things anyway, that I try to preach so heavily over this microphone is that our bodies want to be well. They want to function correctly. All you've got to do is cut yourself and see what happens to realize that we're designed to heal. So when you have a cold, when you have a, uh, a flu, when you have a stomach bug, whatever it is, the reason we vomit and have diarrhea when we're sick is the body's like, hey, there's something in here that needs to get out. The reason we get a fever is because it's better to burn off the illness, to get rid of the bug that created the illness in the first place. So why in the world are we dumping things like Tylenol into kids and adults, for that matter, when they have a fever? It's like telling the body, hey, thanks, but I got this. You don't need to get well. You don't need to get me well. I'm going to take care of this. And yet Tylenol does nothing to fight an illness, it only fights symptoms, and it is the leading cause of acute liver failure in this country. So let, what do the pediatricians say? That's my personal story. What do the pediatricians say? I'll never forget, this is how the article starts. The first time my son spiked a 103-degree fever in the wee hours of the morning, and not just because it happened to be his first birthday, my baby was burning up and inconsolable, and as a nervous new mom, I immediately reached for the infant Tylenol, and I didn't hesitate to dispense it every four hours or so until his temperature returned to normal a day later. Looking back, I don't think I could have waited, watched, and done nothing for my sick, feverish boy, knowing that the medicine would probably kick in quickly and make him more comfortable. 
But a new report from the Academy, American Academy of Pediatrics. This is a journal I rarely fully agree with here, okay? So I love to bring their reports when it's a good report and actually has value to it. This report said that many parents freak out about fever for no reason. And the group now advises that it's often better not to treat a child when the thermometer is on the rise. Now, like everything else, well, okay, maybe not everything, but seemingly everything else in modern medicine, they're a little late to the party. I told you this is a nine-year-old article, okay? But we've known forever that a fever is a good thing. It's a good thing to have a fever and fight off infection. That's why we have fevers. A fever is not really a symptom of an illness. It's a symptom of the body's immune system going after the illness. So why fight that, right? Okay, let's talk about this. Fever is the body's normal response to infection. It's a natural defense mechanism, says Janice Sullivan, a professor of pediatric clinical care and clinical pharmacology at the University of Louisville School of Medicine. She says that a high temperature triggers the body's production of infection-fighting white blood cells and inhibits the growth of viruses and bacteria. If you lower the fever, you may be affecting the body's ability to respond to that infection. Most fevers generally considered to be a temperature of 100.4 and above come and go quickly without any complications. Still, our collective fever phobia clearly runs deep. Listen to these numbers. According to the article, which appeared in, in uh, the Pediatrics Journal nine years ago, at least a third of pediatrician visits involve a fever. A quarter of caregivers say they would give a fever-reducing drug such as Tylenol or ibuprofen for a temperature of less than 100 degrees. 98.7, now they're saying it maybe is a little higher, is normal body temperature, right? So when the body temperature is elevated only one degree or less, 25% of caregivers would give Tylenol? That's insane. But why is it insane? Well, for one thing, it's a horrible idea. Tylenol is bad. It's not probably going to kill your kid the first time you take, give it to them or even the second or third or 10th, but it's very liver toxic. And it is, again, the number one source ahead of alcohol of liver, of acute liver failure in this country and is responsible, depending on who you believe, for upwards of 15 to 20,000 deaths a year in America. So it's not this benign drug that doesn't do anything to you. It's a dangerous drug that has to be dosed very carefully and should only be dosed in times of severe need. A 99.9 degree fever, 100.9 degree fever, 100 point, or 101.9, 102.9, that's not a need for Tylenol, according to this report, not just according to Mr. Alternative here. So, 25% of caregivers say they're going to do that. And 85% of parents have actually awakened a sleeping child to dispense these medications. Now, we have to figure this out. This is a microcosm of a much bigger problem with medicine in this country. And that is that we feel the need to medicate for comfort so often. Now, there are reasons why this makes sense, medicating for comfort. End-of-life care comes to mind as a big one. I was very grateful for morphine when my mother was dying. Very grateful. But I would never consider giving Tylenol to my child when that child is sleeping, which is the very best thing to enhance the immune system to fight off the infection. And yet it says 85% of parents have actually awakened a sleeping child to dispense Tylenol. That is mind blowing to me. That means that people listening to me right now have done that. And if you have, it's not because you're an idiot. It's because you're ill-informed and 
naive, I guess is the right word. I'm not trying to insult anybody, but it's so important that we understand this. Why, if, if you have a fever, your body is saying, my immune system's working and I'm fighting off this illness because it's normal to get sick. We have to recognize that. None of us gets out of this thing without getting sick a whole bunch of times. It's normal to get a cold. It's normal to get a viral infection, a bacterial infection. These things happen. It's just part of life. And it's one of the best things that we can do for our immune system, especially as young kids. When you have a young child who gets sick, he builds antibodies against that illness and becomes healthier because of it. It's natural inoculation as opposed to the chemical form that's given with a needle. Natural inoculation is far superior because it lasts forever. The measles is a perfect example. Chicken pox, you get it once, you're done. You'll never have it again. You don't need boosters. You don't need to get the chicken pox again. You don't need to get the measles again. And every one of these illnesses, the same can be said. When you have that illness, and as a parent, a young parent, I've shared this before, I was so frustrated when my two and three and four-year-olds would get sick because I thought, man, I know how to do this. I'm the guy that people come to when their two-year-olds get sick and I help them get better. Why are my kids getting sick? And then I came to realize with more education that I was being naive. And it's okay to be naive. It's okay to be ill-informed as long as you do something about it. And so I did. As I got older and read more and educated myself better, I recognized this is okay. There's a reason why kids stick everything in their mouth when they're crawling around. It's because it builds immunity, and sometimes it makes us sick first, and that's okay too. But when we have a fever, and when we have a child who is sleeping through a fever, that is a beautiful thing. That is the body doing exactly what it was designed to do. Please don't wake up your child to give him that four-hour dose of Motrin or Advil or Tylenol because the box says every four hours. We dose those things as little as possible. And this article is from the Academy, the American Academy of Pediatrics, not from Jared St. Clair. And that's why I want to bring it to you because, of course, I'm the guy that's going to tell you, hey, we got to be cautious on drugs and use less drugs. Well, now the pediatricians are actually saying that. Fever, according to the article, is one of the most obvious signs of illness. Of course, it worries parents. It worries doctors and it brings the underlying illness to everyone's attention. But most of the fears about brain damage and other long-term effects are unfounded, says Labeers, a pediatrician at Children's uh, National Medical Center. For a normal child, a fever is not going to get high enough to cause any kind of damage. So that's not something you need to worry about. Woohoo! Thank you for saying that. Thank you so much. We need to hear that. Young parents especially need to hear that. If you're a grandparent, share this with your kids. There's also no reason to panic about fever-related seizures. And this is why I told you about my daughter. These are generally short and not related to how high a temperature is and almost always resolve on their own, says Sullivan. The literature suggests that there are no long-term or permanent bad results from febrile seizures, she says. Now, in Nora's case, she went unconscious and, of course, had her mother not been paying attention, she could have died. So, yes, we monitor our children when they're ill. We keep a careful eye on them, 100%. But that was a rare instance. Most of the time, febrile seizures are seizure, and they maintain consciousness, and they do just fine. But yeah, I've been scared as a parent. We all get scared as a parent. My son had whooping cough a few times, and that sounds like you've got a seal in your house barking. It's terrible, and you feel so bad for him. You want to do anything you can, but sometimes you just have to let the body do what the body's going to do and just get the heck out of the way. And in the case of a fever, more often than not, that is exactly what you need to do. Uh, let's see. 
I'm going to read a couple more uh, little things that they say because I think it's important. A child can have low-grade fever or no fever at all and look pretty ill or have a high fever, be really sick, and still look pretty good. The severity of the illness is not necessarily directly related to how high your fever is, says Beers. What's more important is assessing how the child looks. How are they eating? Do they look sick? Are they urinating normally? Are they smiling, laughing, or playing? Making sure that they're actually um, hydrated because the fever does create a dehydration. Those are the things we have to be concerned about. But we don't have to just dump this stuff in them because they're uncomfortable. Unfortunately, being sick is uncomfortable, and that's okay too. All right, so that's the American Academy of Pediatrics saying don't treat a fever most of the time. Uh, the instances they say where you do want to seek medical advice is uh, after it's, if you've had a fever, if your child's had a fever for a few days, doesn't seem to be improving, maybe you should go and see what's going on, uh, get a diagnosis, um, that type of thing. And of course, if the fever gets significantly higher uh, than what we're talking about, generally speaking, the number is 104 or above, it does make sense maybe to bring it down a little bit. But you can do that with a tub of tepid water. You can do that with cold washcloths. There's things that you can do short of drugs, even in that case. So for the most part, we just get out of the way let the body do what it was designed to do in the first place. Okay, I've rambled a lot during rant number one. I'm going to do rant number two when I come back, but we do need to cut to a quick break. I'll be back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Vitality Radio. I'm Jared St. Clair, and I'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Vitality Nutrition has been serving Utah for over 40 years and Vitality Radio listeners for over a decade. Now we are here to serve you the Vitality Radio podcast listener. If you have questions about what you have heard on the podcast, give us a call at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email at info at vitalityradiopod.com. We will give you the same great service we have been supplying for years to our local audience. At Vitality Nutrition, we do it old school. We like to talk to you and answer your health questions one-on-one. So call us, 801-292-6662, that's 801-292-6662, or email us at info at vitalityradiopod.com. Okay, welcome back to Vitality Radio. I'm your host, Jared St. Clair. I'm here with you every week, and I love doing this show. I am fighting some pretty heavy jet lag, but that's okay. For some reason, I feel calm and relaxed. Okay, I told you, I'm doing it. Two rants today. The whole show is just me ranting about stuff, but I hope it's good. It's time for rant number two. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. All right. All the bad guys want the good guy money. That's the name of this rant. What do I mean by that? Well, I've told you about Emergency. And if you haven't heard this story, I'll give you a quick refresher. My favorite product as a kid was Emergency. You've seen it in Walmart. You've seen it in CVS. You've seen it in Walgreens. It's all. It's everywhere. Every grocery store, every five and dime. I've seen it at 7-Eleven, I think. Emergency is everywhere. When I was a kid, it was only in health food stores. And not even every health food store had it. But it was one of the biggest selling products in health food stores because the stuff was awesome. And it worked. It was loaded with electrolytes and a really unique combination of mineral ascorbate vitamin C. And then about seven, eight years ago, Pfizer bought emergency and they flipping ruined it. 
They took out the good kind of vitamin C. They put in ascorbic acid, which is genetically modified, which you have to get all to get to ascorbic acid. You have to go a couple of steps beyond high fructose corn syrup to get to ascorbic acid. That's how processed that stuff is. It's highly acidic, and I won't say it's bad. Ascorbic acid has its place. It is it is still useful vitamin C. However, there's a lot of issues with it, comparatively speaking. And the mineral ascorbates are the kind you want. Well, when Pfizer bought it out, they looked at it and said, okay, there's a couple of issues with mineral ascorbates. One is hardly anybody's educated on them. So they're not going to know the difference if we put ascorbic acid in there. Every other vitamin C that's on the market almost is ascorbic acid. It'll look fine. Also, ascorbic ascorbates don't taste that good. And ascorbic acid just tastes like citric acid, so it's really good. It's easy to mask the flavor. It fits right in. And the big one, of course, mineral ascorbates are substantially more expensive, like three or four X more expensive than ascorbic acid. And therefore, boom, bottom line, because Pfizer is a bottom line company. So emergency was ruined. And NRC, thank goodness, popped up a year or two later as a recent guest of mine, Richard Pollack, uh, who was with Alistair Corporation, the people that made emergency. He and a few guys got together that used to be there and said, we're going to re-release this stuff. We're going to call it NRC. And NRC is awesome. It's my favorite vitamin C. It's better than the old emergency even. It tastes great. And it absolutely works. I use at least one packet every single day myself. So the cool thing is innovation happens when it's needed, right? Competition creates innovation. Uh, Stupid people like the people at Pfizer that ruin products create innovation. A lot of stuff happens and that's okay. But I started out this rant with all the bad guys seem to want the good guy money. And what does that mean? Well, Pfizer's not a good guy. I mean, you, I, I don't think you'll think that they're a good guy. Maybe you do. If you're listening to Vitality Radio for the first time, you might think Pfizer's a good guy. They're a drug company. They're bringing good, life-saving drugs to us. And if you listen to Vitality Radio a few times, you're going to realize that I don't think Pfizer's a good guy. They do a lot of bad stuff. A lot of bad stuff. Now, I'm not saying we don't need pharmaceutical companies. Some of these pharmaceuticals are truly life-saving. But for the most part, pharmaceutical companies are greedy monoliths that want our money far more than they care about our health. And in the case of Pfizer, yeah, that's who they are. So they took emergency. They ruined it. Thank goodness the people at NRC uh, resurrected it and brought it back to us. But I need you to be aware of something. Now, when you when you work in an independent health food store for as long as I have, which is like 40 years, you see a lot of stuff. And one of the things that's alarming and that the whole basis of this rant is that these things are happening more and more and more and more often. And they're happening to some of my favorite products. And it's ticking me off. And there's nothing I can do about it. I mean, there is literally nothing I can do about it because it's going to happen whether I approve it or not. And that is the bad guys coming in and buying the little good guys and bringing them in under their umbrella like Pfizer did with emergency. And of course they do because emergency probably sells 10 times as much as it used to. And the profits are much higher because they've dumbed down the formula so much. Good for them. Bad for you, the consumer. And so I want to alert you to some of the other once great companies that have been absorbed by the bad guys, as I like to call them. Uh, Burt's Bees. You a fan of Burt's Bees? You love their lip balm? I know a lot of people love their lip balm. And frankly, I like their lip balm. It's pretty good stuff, but I don't buy their lip balm. Not anymore. I used to sell emergency. I used to sell Burt's Bees. I sold a lot of Burt's Bees. I loved Burt's Bees. And then Clorox bought them. Clorox, a subsidiary of Procter & Gamble. More bad guys. Chemical companies. Companies that bring you lots of stuff that's not good for you. And then they say, well, 
you know, we sell all this stuff, but we got all these weirdos that listen to shows like Vitality Radio that want to be organic and natural and don't like chemicals. Well, we want their money just as much as we want the people that are less informed. So we're going to go get all the money. We want the good guy money because the bad guy money isn't quite as good as it used to be. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. Because Pfizer doesn't care one iota if you take vitamin C. In fact, their preference is you don't take vitamin C because the less vitamin C you take, probably the more likely you are to need their drugs because your immune system won't be as strong, so on and so forth. But when they see their sales dipping because people are becoming more awakened and avoiding their pharmaceuticals, then they say, well, we better start selling vitamins then. So they buy Alicer and they sell emergency. Well, the same thing happened with Clorox. Clorox doesn't care if you put organic chapstick on your body. They'd just as soon sell you the garbage that they've been selling for all these years. But if you're not going to buy it, they still want the good guy money. And so they buy Burt's Bees. And they keep the logos the same. And they keep the packaging the same. And they keep the names the same. And in many cases, they even keep the products the same. And so it's confusing because you didn't know Clorox owned Burt's Bees, but all you got to do is Google it. Who owns Burt's Bees? Boom. Within a second or two, Clorox pops up. Well, is that a bad thing? If Clorox keeps the exact same ingredients, the exact same formulas, is it a bad thing to still buy Burt's Bees? We'll come back to that in a minute. How about another one? New chapter. I don't know if you know who New Chapter are. They, they is. They're not as well known. But New Chapter was bought by Procter & Gamble. I used to sell a lot of New Chapter. I don't sell New Chapter anymore. Garden of Life used to be a really cool company. I've had Jordan Rubin on the show. He developed Garden of Life. And Garden of Life products have helped a lot of people over the years. I used to sell a lot of Garden of Life. Now owned by Nestle. Pure Encapsulations. I never sold pure encapsulations, but one of the things about them is they're supposed to be one of the most pure supplement companies on the market, now owned by Nestle. Or Amazing Grass. Oh, Amazing Grass. I had Brandon Burt, the founder of Amazing Grass on Vitality Radio, one of my favorite interviews ever. I loved Amazing Grass. I still carry Amazing Grass because as of now, their products are still good. But now they're owned by Glanbia. Now, you may not know who Glanbia is, but it's basically a giant dairy conglomerate. Uh, they make most whey protein out there. Not all of it, but a lot of it. And they make a bunch of other crap. They uh, own a company called BSN. I always have joked that BSN stands for BS Nutrition, if you know what I mean. Because BSN is a company that eh, just makes a bunch of not good quality sports nutrition supplements with a lot of crap in them. And BSN was an awesome cutting edge company. When they first came out, I knew both the guys that owned the company. They had two of the best sports nutrition products I'd ever tried at the time. And now they're just a bunch of bleh, just a marketing brand. That's all they are. And they're everywhere and their stuff isn't any good anymore. Well, that's what happens when Glanbia buys you. So I kind of think that might happen to Amazing Grass too. And that's sad because Brandon Burt had a 70-year heritage in growing the best wheatgrass and barleygrass on their own fields in Kansas and harvesting it a unique way and storing it in caves so it would stay the right temperature and the right humidity and then bottling it at the right time of season. They were doing it all right. Awesome stuff. I loved Amazing Grass. And now they're owned by them. Come on, man. The bad guys want the good guy money. They threw $170 million at Brandon Burt. He sold out. I don't know if I blame him. Someone throws $170 million at me. I might sell my company too. I don't know. I'm not against profit. I'm not against capitalism. That's all good. But it comes with some bad, too, and that is this corporate greed machine that is so powerful in this country and all these once great companies absorbed by these not good companies. 
So yeah, I guess I'm going to transition out of amazing grass very soon. <sighs> Frustrating. How about natural calm? Do you know natural calm? Now, I've been talking about magnesium a lot lately. I love magnesium. And the first time that I got really excited about magnesium, I'll always remember it. I was seeing these ads for a, a product called Natural Calm. Peter Gillum's Natural Calm. And Peter Gillum was this big proponent of magnesium. You had to use magnesium because we we're all deficient in it. And I started reading up on it. And it was Peter Gillum that first gave me a passion for magnesium. And then I started educating myself. And I recognized that magnesium was awesome. And over the last 10 years, I've been talking up magnesium like crazy. It's one of my vital five that I talk about all the time. I love it. And natural calm used to be magnesium citrate, which is magnesium bonded to citric acid, which isn't the very best form of magnesium, but it's a magnesium your body can actually absorb a decent percentage of, a pretty good product. Always been a pretty good product. Never my favorite, but always pretty good. And the company did a pretty good job of educating. And now, dadgummit, they're owned by some company called WM Partners. I don't know who WM Partners are. I, before I did this show, I decided I better find out who WM Partners are. I don't know who they are. Well, they're this uh, group of venture capitalists. And they go out and they buy these little companies as they're growing and doing well. And they throw a bunch of money at them, and they put their product everywhere. And now Natural Calm is in Walgreens and Walmart and all these other places. And it used to be a health food store brand. And that bothers me, yeah, because now I've got all this extra competition. But that would be okay, I guess, because at least it's still a good product, right? So I can still get behind the product because it's still a good product. And maybe I don't sell as much because Walmart has it too. And that's fine. That's just competition. I can deal with competition. I've been dealing with competition for 42 years and we're still doing fine. But it's not fine because magnesium in natural calm now is magnesium carbonate. And that's the kind of magnesium that you dig out of a rock, literally. The same way as you mine gold or copper, you're digging magnesium carbonate out of a rock. You're powdering it. You're flavoring it. And you're giving it to the body and say, absorb this, man. You can do it. And the body's like, no way, man. I can't. Because the science shows we only absorb like 4 to 10% of magnesium carbonate. That's about five times less than we can absorb of magnesium citrate. But man, they put a new label on it. It looks really good. It's still called Natural Calm. It doesn't say anything about WM Partners on it. Burt's Bees doesn't say anything on the package that about Clorox owning it. And New Chapter doesn't say a dang thing about Procter & Gamble owning that. Of course they don't. Because here's the thing. There are a few things that we have to understand. Sometimes it's obvious. With emergency, they ruined the product. It's not good anymore. But the average consumer doesn't know that much about magnesium ascorbate or calcium ascorbate versus ascorbic acid. They just know that emergency is something they've always used. They've always loved it. It tastes even better now and it's cheaper. So keep using it and keep loving it. And emergency is not crap. It's still an okay product, but it ain't great. It's not what it used to be. Inner is awesome. Emergency, eh, it's okay. Well, that's pretty much natural calm now. If you need to poop, if you've got constipation, natural calm will work better than it ever did because you're going to absorb less of it and your bowels are going to need to flush it out. <laughs> Yippee. But if you want all the other benefits of magnesium, stress relief, that's the whole idea behind the natural calm name, better sleep, uh, relaxed muscle tissue, no more leg cramps, all the other good stuff that natural calm was supposed to do for you in the past, it ain't going to do it as well anymore. And you're not going to get the majority of the benefits from magnesium. So is there an alternative? You bet there is. There's an alternative for all of this stuff. And here's the thing. When this happens, part of what I do on Vitality Radio is try and tell you the stories other people aren't telling you. And one of those stories is going to have to be, on a regular basis, me exposing these purchases that are happening of little guys selling out to the big guys, 
the good guys selling out to the bad guys and the bad guys getting the good guy money. And that's the thing I don't like. Natural calm doesn't deserve your money anymore. We don't need to give it to the bad guys. They've already proven that we don't need to give it to them because they already took what used to be a pretty good formula and turned it into not good at all. But guess what? It still costs just as much as it ever did. They're just cheating you. Do you remember when uh, ice cream used to be a half gallon and now it's not quite a half gallon in most cases? Do you remember that? Do you remember when um, cheese used to be an eight ounce uh, sliced cheese and now it's seven ounces or six ounces? They kind of cheat you there. They keep the price the same. They reduce the amount they're giving you. Well, that's what Natural Calm just did. They kept the price the same. They reduced the the amount they're giving you, but not quite the same. Because they still give you 16 ounces in that bottle, but it's 16 ounces of a lesser product. At least with the ice cream, you're still getting the same ice cream. You're just getting less of it. So it's cheating. It's cheating. And if they're cheating, I ain't giving them my money, which means I got to transition out of natural calm now. Wonderful. And that's okay. Because Natural Factors has an awesome one, and so does Source Naturals. And we have both of those at Vitality. So if you need to get away from natural calm, If you need to give the bad guys the boot and give your good guys the money, go to one of those brands. We've got it at Vitality. And if you need a new greens product instead of Amazing Grass, that's good too because we've got a couple that are great that I like better than Amazing Grass even when Amazing Grass wasn't with Glanbia. But now I really like them better because I like to give the good guys my money, not the bad guys. And that's the big thing here. Nowadays in America, we vote with our wallet in every possible way because that's what they understand. Money, the bottom line, we have to vote like that. And so give the good guys your money not the bad guys. I have to go. Thank you so much for listening to me. Thank you for the support for all these years. My name is Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham, with very limited help from Jared. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.